Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is our Q&A show. Having confidence in yourself and faith and support from others is priceless. Yet there's also something sweet about achieving something others didn't think you could do. Maybe you weren't so sure either, or, you know, maybe you absolutely knew you could do it, but the greatest stories are made from the so-called stupid ideas that worked. And so many of them that we know and love in our culture today worked like magic. So what Richie Norton helped us understand in show 663 is that for any new idea to be truly valuable and viable, it must by proxy be stupid, at least in relation to other things, it should be very, or at least fairly different than what already exists. If it's the same as something that already exists and reasonable, well, then how can it be invaluable? So thus I asked this question in Facebook, a couple questions, actually, who has achieved something that others didn't think was possible or a wise move and you prove them wrong. Then I also ask, what is a business or life idea you've had that you or someone else thought or thinks might be a stupid idea? Well, great fun and uh, really interesting responses. Of course, they're still coming in. And then Richie joined me to talk through the comments, which was a ton of fun. Hey, big thanks to all of you who are leaving great reviews in iTunes. We have so many new, incredible reviews. Thank you so much. Uh, and when you check yes to some of the top reviews to make them helpful, then it shows up as the first reviews people see. So thank you for doing that as well. And as I've been saying, if you'll let me know you left a review on Facebook, uh, go there, message me. My name is Agent K Miller. Uh, tell me your username that you used, and I'll send you a free copy of Zig and Tom Ziegler's book, Born to Win. All right, folks, here then Richie Norton joins me to talk through your comments to the questions, who has achieved something others didn't think was possible or a wise move, and you proved them wrong, and also what is a business or life idea you've had that you or someone else thought or thinks might be a stupid idea. Here we go. All right, man. Well, this is a, a question that I love. We had a lot of fun with all the comments uh, on Facebook and there from fun stuff to deep stuff. So I'm just going to throw them at you, Richie. You ready? Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. Let's do it. All right. Well, Gregory Byerline, who I know, uh, matter of fact, as I sit here in my dad, Dan Miller's studio in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Gregory's, I think, within miles of me. He used to be on my cycling team way back in the day. So he says, I finished a 35-mile trail ultra when I wasn't uh, certain that it was even possible. He said, does that count? I said, absolutely, man. He said, I think we should do a 50 mile or soon to celebrate those birthday milestones. We both got those birthdays <laughs> coming up, but uh, there's a good number. And I'm sure you hear this of people who I know you've worked in the business arena a lot, but people who have physical pursuits of things that nobody thought they could do. They didn't think they could do and they did them and it massively changed their lives. When I, when I go into a room and I'm speaking to even executives or whatever conference it is, whatever kind of thing we're doing and i'll stop in the middle and i'll say raise your hand if you've ever had a stupid idea and then i'll, I'll even ask how many of you have had a stupid idea that turned out to be a great idea and it, it's amazing the the people who are quote unquote the most successful are still raising their hand even the owners of business will say this company right here that all of you employed in was my stupid idea everyone said i couldn't do it 
it, it is profound. <laughs> so yes, we're on but, the right track. Okay. I, I can't help, but as much as I want to, I want to move on quickly to some of these other comments right there. That, that was one that came up to me. So as you talk to talk to people and have testimony, I'm sure you've had some hard testimonies of people who tried something you know stupid and, and it was really hard. How often though is my question have you had somebody says, yeah, I tried something stupid and it annihilated me, wrecked me. I am now you know, homeless on the streets. I'm exaggerating. But how often do you hear somebody say, yeah, it was the end of me or is it generally, and I'm guessing it is, it generally was, even if it didn't work out like they wanted to, it was a step to something that paid off. You know, it happens, of course, it happens a lot. In fact, maybe most of your stupid ideas will fail, right? Who knows? And people will say, you know, they've been hurt from trying out ideas, which prevents them from continuous learning and trying something new. And so as we have these conversations, many people who say that it failed, they also say, but then this happened. Right. Now, I'm an optimistic person. I know there's someone listening to this saying, I tried, I failed, and my life is miserable. I never should have done it. Like, I've done stuff like that, too. I wish I wouldn't have done that or whatever. But I'll tell you this. If it's an act, not just a stupid idea, if it's an actual part of a dream that you have. To go and do it and fail now is so much better than to wait 40 years when you retire and fail hard. Mm. Yeah, Build a whole dream up and then collapse. It's so much better to collapse it now and move on than it is later. So, yes, it's hard. Yes, you can stand back up. But I do have sympathy for those where it doesn't work out. Totally. There's no guarantee. Totally. And, and my, my wife, during the course of our marriage, she says, yeah, Kevin, you didn't go to school and go a hundred bucks in debt on school loans to get a Harvard MBA or something. You just went and, and messed up enough businesses that we went a hundred grand in the hole. Uh, but you learned a lot and that's what gave you the success today. So yeah, to your, to your point. Okay. So Michael, uh, Ida here, he says, um, today I posted that it's been six years since I, since I left a job making over a hundred thousand dollar a year plus benefits. I mean, there we go. American dream, right? Uh, to move to a town where I knew absolutely no one. So I could get back into real estate full time. Everyone said it was very foolish to do what I did, but in basically four years, I've built up a real estate portfolio that I can live off of the rest of my life. And in most of that time frame, uh, I ran and still do run the business remotely, not even living in the same town as my business as a challenge, but I never, ever listen to the naysayers. There are just people with no vision. I like that one. And I'm going to throw that one at you because I would venture say, you know, the old cliche, the golden handcuffs, man, when you've got a good old American job, that's paying the bills, you got your benefits, leaving that there are few people, especially let's stick on six figures. You're making six figures, which is the Holy grail for whatever reason in a job to leave that, to abandon that, to go do something seems luxurious or altruistic isn't that how people come off with it It, it, it's true it's a massive leap consciously it is it is a massive leap of faith and you know that you can fall but anyone who's done it knows that the fear of not living life on purpose is greater than the hundred grand you're making right now with the golden handcuffs and not being able to go on vacation when you want and ask for permission to coach your son's baseball team but like with, with this guy, that's a real thing, right? But with, with this guy's example, what's cool is he had all these naysayers. And you think, who are the naysayers? Who are they? Well, either they care and they're worried about you. Sure. Or they're jealous and they want you to fail because it makes them feel better if you don't succeed. You know, and there's people who are just absolute idiots, right? <laughs> there's, there's, there's all these kind of things. 
but no one's had his experience. Yeah. His insight, his drive is the change catalyst that makes it happen. The other people around the naysayers actually can help us to prove them wrong to be successful. Yeah. But it's when we when we when we we listen to those thoughts and we go, no, I can't. You're right. That we actually die a little inside. That is great. Yeah, I I so often hear people who talk about people who do care, but they're also kind of threatened. If you go off and totally. do this thing, it really shines a light on the fact that I haven't or I'm not. Totally, that's a great way to put it. So such a hard one. Okay, this one, this one, on, really on the same aspect of we're talking about here, social pressures. And uh, so Peyton here, she says, uh, she says, I don't know if you would consider this achievement uh, for this, but my own or my now fiance was a bit of a jerk when we first met and broke my heart. I refused to talk to him for over a year. Then I gave him a second chance after he explained himself. And I finally listened. People didn't think we would stay together. Yet here we are four and a half years later getting ready to be married. He's treated me like a queen and my daughter, too. So in that same aspect of social pressure, I'd put that one over here. You got the American job. You got six figures relational issues where, gosh, especially as parents, you're a parent, you know, and you think, ah, oh, really? Is that, you love your kid. You don't want to diss their idea and their uh, belief in someone. But if you don't see that fruit, that's a hard one. So yeah, again, relational issues, it's probably got to be top of the list as far as really hard to overcome the social pressure from those around you. Relationships. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Relationships are multidimensional, right? So there's people are coming from different angles. They have different motives. Sometimes they have hidden agendas. You, you don't know. But essentially, love and trust are everything. And so if you're worried you can't do something because someone thinks something, including your spouse, well, why wouldn't you talk to them about that? I'm afraid of doing this thing. So I'm afraid you're going to think this. And they'll say, not silly. You should do it. Like <laughs> You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. But the open communication and not, you know, I don't know, what's the word? like harvesting, keeping all these feelings inside and then all of a sudden blowing up. That's the problem. (laughs) But if we can address the issues head on in the beginning with full trust and love, I don't know. Here's one thought on relationships too. I do a lot of coaching with, um, in, in people's lives with their businesses and things. And most of these people are married and they have this myth that they have to be on. They have to have the same goal. But they're two different human beings. Yeah. They can have different goals and do different things, especially if this one is supporting that one and this one is supporting that one. As long as you support the spouse, you are on the same page. You don't both have to be running the same business, doing the same thing. My wife and I do all kinds of different things separately, but I support her 100%, supports me 100%. And if it's a 10 out of 10 for me, she supports me. The 10 out of 10 for her, I support her. If it's somewhere in the middle, we talk about it. Okay, I'm not going to let you go on that one. Let's 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 stick right there for a second because, and I'll I'll speak this first person. I came from a perspective for whatever reason. My wife and I, I think both did, of we needed to share the same goals. I didn't really even realize that because generally we got together. And, you know, of course she's over here and and pregnant pretty quick, having kids and that takes her that direction. I'm over here with work. And so what, what really, uh, I I guess led the trajectory of our life, you know, where we lived, how we lived, whatever was, was my work. And I did some pretty crazy stuff. She felt like she had to be on board. She had to share the goal and she really tried to. And in a sense, now she looks back and goes, she was pretending to, she didn't really, but she was trying to now fast forward to so many years back. And she had some of her own visions and goals now. 
And she struggled to feel like Kevin, you, you can't do it unless it is your, your calling too, your vision too. And I finally had to realize it's not, but I support you. And I think we were wrong going back and thinking you had to have the same goal and vision. How could you? I mean, are are we not autonomous people before we come together? Yes, two become one. But I love what you just said. If we are supporting each other, it's different, though. Maybe just if you got anything to add to that, because I think that's big. Because we have married people listening. And for them to say, do they have to have joint unity in the same goal, the same vision? I was right before I got married. I was I was engaged. I was in the airport, not with my future spouse, right? And this dude sitting next to me, I, I have no idea who he is. I tell him I'm getting married pretty soon. He goes, oh, I'm divorced. Let me give you some advice. And I go, all right. And he says, he says, we went in two different directions, like ships in the night, you know, past each other. We, we started having different goals. And so I thought about that. And then, you know, in, in our in our own marriage, I started realizing, like, I can't, like, I can't tell my wife what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? She can't tell me what to do. We're independent people. And I, I started realizing in a lot of relationships, not just marriages, anything, we start creating this codependent relationship. Yeah. And when one person is doing, I don't know, something different or they're succeeding or even they're failing, the other person kind of rises and falls with them. That's a weird situation. I think it's cool when I look up to my wife and she also looks up to me. Yeah. We're both other along where we are so you know my mentor covey you know he's like you should be interdependent which is two independent people when they work together they're actually freer and help each other out to rise up so in real life and when i do coaching i'll ask you where do you want to be in two years and i'll and i'll ask each spouse i even have them do an activity separately where i have them find out where they want to be personally where they want to be physically where they want to be in their relationships where they want to be in their business where they want to be with whatever and I tell them the goal is not to have the same goals. <laughs> the goal is to find out what your wife's goal and what your husband's goal is and support them in that. Awesome. Changes everything. That that right there is probably worth the price of admission for anybody who's listening. <laughs> that one right there. At least if you're married or, or intend to be. Well, hey, here, here's a left turn on this. This, this is just fun. Uh, so Evan Herman, he tagged a guy named uh, Slav, I guess, S-L-A-V, Tak Takarev. Uh, he says, Slav Takarev climbed Mount Everest. And, uh, and then since he tags us together and tells the other guy, Kevin uh, has um, hosted a podcast. He says, Kevin, uh, this guy has claimed the hardest mountains on each continent. So the guy responds and he says, uh, hey, thanks so much. There were some doubters for sure, but I didn't climb to prove them wrong. I climbed to prove myself right. Glad wow. to be in touch with you. I'll, I'll have to listen to the show. I just love that line right there because we know there's power. Maybe speak to that because there is. And I even posted the one question, one of the two kind of the two part question of it was something stupid and we and we proved somebody wrong. I'll ask you just to comment because we know that's a motivator sometimes. Okay, I'm going to prove them wrong. I don't know if it's the healthiest motivator, but give me your thoughts and experience on that perspective. It's super important. The, the subtitle to the power of starting something stupid is how to crush fear, make dreams happen, and live without regret. Okay. And if if naysayers help motivate you, that's cool because it's for you if you choose it to be 
not just beating someone else in some kind of race. So intrinsically, it's always better if the reason you're doing it is for you because you have that self-motivation, right? Having someone say, rah, 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 go, 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 isn't very much motivation because as soon as they stop, you also stop. Wasn't it Zig that said something about motivation and something like taking a bath every day or something like that? Yeah. Do I need mo- do I need to motivate myself every day? Well, I suggest it's like a like a bath. Uh, take it every day. Yeah. Every day, and so no one's going. Your naysayers aren't going to give you a bath. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You know what? Perfect segue and or, or, or right to this one, Abby cook. She says in middle school, my school counselor said I wasn't smart enough to be in advanced math, even though I was asking for it. I was, uh, it was the one class that kept me from an honors diploma in high school. So I went to college, got a degree in mathematics and became a math teacher for seven years before entering the education, educational publishing world. Uh, but Hey, I'm not smart enough to do math. And she makes a little smiley face like that there again, you know, cause we hear that and talk about proving somebody wrong. She did, but I want to go to, you know, to that school counselor, like whoever that was guy, girl may have been great, may have been smart, well-meaning, maybe brilliant. I mean, we can remember saying that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, there you go. Or, or they do. We, I, I love it when you hear those stories about some great name who dismissed some idea or some person who made it to huge fame and they own up to it and go, yeah, I thought that was a dumb idea and I, I could not be more wrong. You know, no, you're right. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can. You know, there, there was somebody. There was somebody recently. It was in like Fast Company or Success Magazine or something, and it was one of the big names that writes there. And he talked about some of the ideas that he had shot down, totally shot down. Said, "Man, that's stupid." And how they went on to be great. And his point was, don't take anybody's counsel for everything. Nobody's yeah. wise enough. Yeah, it's true. I'm, I'm going to flip it around for a second. Okay. Too, is like when I'm doing coaching, consulting, or whatever, whatever I'm doing to help someone else, or even just listening to someone. In my mind, my job is, aside from being able to give them tips and tricks and strategies and tactics and make it actually happen, relationships, aside from all that part, my goal is 80% listening, 20% believing in them. Hmm. Because if I'm I'm 80% listening and 20% believing in them, I'm 100% involved in their success. If if, if I would have turned to someone and said, I don't think that's going to work, it might be a self-fulfilling prophecy for them. Yes. Uh, who am uh, I to say it's not? I can tell, I can counsel them against dangers, but who am I to say it's not going to work? That's messed up. <laughs> I, I, dream killers kill me <laughs> for real. Man, that, that's a big deal, man. Especially if you're a parent, if you are caring about somebody and you look at something they're doing and go, man, I can't put, I can't put the pieces together. I have had to tell, not to just focus on parenting, but I've had to tell my adult kids that sometimes go, man, whatever you're looking at, I, I can't tell you that I'm totally on board or that I see it or understand it, but then I'm also just a dude. I'm just, I'm just a guy. You can't. And yeah, on the flip side of it, I would say that you, I know I have, and I would, I would guess that you have even more. So you have seen uh, or, or experienced, heard of so many, you said dream killers, so many people that could have gone out there and done something and they are hampered because somebody spoke against it and they took that as concrete 
truth. Here's one right here. Jen Underwood is next. She says her story is, I think she did, is she read about the Avon walk. I had, and she sent a link to it. It's a 39.3 mile walk that people do and dedicate it to others. But the, the deal is her ex-husband said she could never do it. Now she used that as motivation to go do it. But how many people take that from somebody? It hurt them maybe, or they just put too much stock in it. And there they are stuck forever. And you see that. And I I feel like that's the thing that grieves your soul. You know, it's, um, it will happen. And it has happened to me even, even in recent years where someone will say something and it, it really hurts and it can shut you down. Dude, an Amazon critic on my book, can destroy me <laughs> uh, yo, oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes it, we're, we're all too sensitive um but but that said when you can't avoid the naysayers you have to just step back and think well what's important to me and regardless of what they say am i going to do it or not and how and then take that first step because if you don't take the first step you're not going to make any step well uh, and that's the one, you know, Zig again, I'm, I'm have, I, I, I need to have these all written out in front of me, but it was, you know, you don't, you don't have to be, uh, uh, you don't have to be great to start, but you've got to start to be great. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Uh, here's one man, Barb Goni. She says, I left home at 17 against my parents' wishes because I wanted to go to university. My dad wanted me to work as a driver like him or become an interior designer, as my mom suggested, but I wanted to study archaeology. So I went to a foreign country, learned a new language in one year and went to university. I worked weekends to pay for my tuition fees since my parents couldn't afford to pay me, uh, nor did I want to tell them. Everyone in my family was telling my parents I was a rebel, probably wasting my life and doing drugs. It wasn't until my graduation day and until they saw my degree that they believed I was actually studying since not once did I ask for money. That's how I started my journey of chasing dreams and setting seemingly unachievable goals. But I keep doing it and I keep ignoring those who say I'm crazy. Now my parents are really proud of my accomplishments as I have proven who I really am to them. How many times Richie, have you heard that story? Uh, that that's hard. The, the family to go to that degree to, uh, you know, I'm sure they loved her. They cared, but uh, to go to that degree and for her to fight that. And now everybody's a fan. <laughs> it's true. You, the hard thing is we're always trying to predict the future and we just can't. And I think it was Steve Jobs in that talk in Stanford where he said something about you connect the dots, but you, you do it looking backwards, right? You, you make it and then you look backwards and you see the dots being connected. The thing is we can't do that because we don't live in the future. So we start creating the dots as we go, and we hope that we get there. And then we pivot as things get weird. But the fact that she took that first step, right or wrong, she took it. It changed the trajectory of her life. She could have retreated back to the driving thing if she wanted. Sure. We don't know. But she decided, even if, let's pretend that was a mistake to go to college, she would have figured something else out. Yeah. But she would have regretted not trying. Yeah. And fortunately for her, it turned out to be good. You know? And I know it seems cliche and exaggerated somewhat to go to the deathbed regrets, but I, I, it's so enamoring when you go and hear those stories and that the yeah. majority of people, and again, there's pithy quotes that talk to it, but my gosh, it's, it's literal. When you hear these people, they so seldom regret things that they did. They regret things that they did not do. I don't know if there's anything more convicting f- for me than hearing that. I, I see. 
100%. I like to say, so if you picture yourself in the future and you think you would regret not doing this thing, that becomes your imperative today. Yeah. You bring the future to the now. Yeah. Now. Well, hey, here, here's a couple uh, that don't have the success story in front of them and they just readily admitted it here. Kevin Helm, he says, I have a lot of ideas, but I'm scared to try any of them. Uh, right after that, Kat, Katarzyna Honing, she says, in my you know creative pulls, my creative desires, if you will, I, I'm not sure if it's me, others, or a dynamic of both that doubts my abilities. So we had a, we did have a good handful of people that just said, I, I am, I am afraid of that. It, it seems stupid. People have testified to that. I doubt myself, and I, and I'm there. I'm stuck there. And I, I know you're trying to reach those folks. So, so right behind me is Sunset Beach. Okay. The, that beach is behind my house. And my uh, friend, he he's a big wave rider. He got caught up in the lip of the wave, fell down. His board came down, slammed him in the leg, and broke his femur in half. Oh, good lord. Swinging around like like a helicopter, and he almost died. Somebody saved him. The, even coming into the shore, the shore break was massive, destroyed him. He had to get a metal pole put in his leg. Okay. A few weeks later, he was back out surfing again. A few weeks later. And I said, are you crazy? Yeah. And I said, aren't you scared? And he said, of course I'm scared. We're all scared out there. Hmm. But this is what I want to do. And it was because his, his reason, the thing he wanted, was more motivating than the fear of freaking breaking his leg. Mm-hmm. Now, this person saying, I'm scared and I don't know how and whatever else, my friend, his name's Andy, didn't surf those big waves without first learning how to swim, how to surf in small waves, and build up to the big ones. So when people say, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, where to start, they're always thinking the big wave because that's their big dream. No, you don't start there. You start with swimming. Mm-hmm. For that person to start, the first step he already took. You took it on your page by, by stating the fact that he's scared. And now we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. And now the next step will be maybe he can message someone he likes and tell me he wants to do it, something, and have them be his accountability partner. And email is the next step. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, swim- it's swimming. That's how you get to the big, the big waves. Okay, well, let me, let me chime in there or, or, or pull you out on that one right there. How often, as you look at this topic and people, you're, you're speaking, you're, you're, you're trying to motivate them, you're trying to equip them, you're trying to empower them, you're trying to give them permission to go after and do something that everybody else may think is stupid, or they may even think is stupid. How often, though, when you are continuing to walk with people in this, do you come to the point of questioning whether they really want it enough and if that's the problem? I, so the way I do it, honestly, though, is I do it in the very beginning because okay. they'll first tell me the wrong answer. They'll full, they will first tell me the dream of what they want to accomplish with a, a business or something. And then I'll say, what happens when you're successful? Hmm. And they'll say, I have freedom of time, of money, of geography, and put my kids in private school, whatever they say. And then I go, oh, so the real goal isn't what you just told me. <laughs> And when they understand the real goal, they become like a mama bear when their cub is being attacked. Nothing will stop them from protecting that dream. They do it. So you didn't, and yeah, you answered that differently than, you didn't make the motive bigger. You just 
took it to the root cause what's in essence. The actual root cause what's the actual result you want when people start thinking about the result they want you can get the result in a number of different ways okay but all stop and we think that we want a result but we're, we focus on the path to get there and then we get stuck in the weeds uh-huh. well it seems freeing then to showcase that, look, your goal is over here. How are you going to achieve it? How about this one? If it fails, what's another one there? I mean, that's always free when you don't feel the pressure of one way or the highway. So, so the way I, this either, I love these, these questions, this line of questions. Thank you. So I then say, well, let's make it a project because a, let's actually mm. literally call it a project. Because a project can fail or succeed. It doesn't matter. It was a test. It was an experiment. Okay. Like there's no such thing as an expert without someone who, like experiment it you experiment you experiment to get experience then you become an expert good people think they have to wait to become an expert to do what they want to do and i'm like it doesn't work that way yeah. you're not such expert. you you start with experimenting with a project a project ah that's i love how i love that hey here's here's another one becky westover my nonprofit organization was actually something I was told by many it wouldn't work, including close family members. I heard things like it would be too costly. It wouldn't get the support it would need. It's too time consuming, not enough interest, etc. It's been 15 years now, and it has blessed the lives of many, mostly my own, uh, myself and, and, and those close to me. That one is... How many, I'm going to put that nonprofit, I don't know what she was doing, but I'm going to put that in the altruistic category. You know, somebody who really has the intent to help other people. And I wonder if sometimes when you're doing that, you tend, well, I'll put that to you, nonprofit, you know, first for profit or somebody with a really altruistic motive as opposed to somebody who's more business focused, money, whatever, that even on the, uh, that, that on that altruistic aspect, we tend to be even less abundant sometimes in our thinking. Um, you know, that's the thing. You're going to go save the world. Well, you got to eat rice and beans to do that. No, this is the most important question because my work always revolves around in where I got my start in so, what I call so what is called social entrepreneurship, uh-huh. you know, social ills with business skills. And so I've, I've always focused on how can this thing help more people? And people do fall into the myth that they have to choose meaning over money. And the challenge with that is they start to experience as someone like this might something called mission drift or mission creep where because of the lack of funds they have to focus all their time on fundraising yes yeah they end up not even helping the people they wanted to help yeah <laughs> so yeah. the business model is essential whether it's a nonprofit because they're not paying taxes you know what i mean because the government likes that you're doing work for them so to speak whatever it is it doesn't matter the goal is if the goal is to help a person build a machine that can help the actual person, build a system that can help the person as opposed to focusing on the system and never help the person. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to dig in with you right there on that one too, because that's another one that's been acute to me. I had some businesses in the past that I treated more like uh, a mission than a business and made sure we took care of everybody. Everybody got paid except us. Right. And it felt idealistic. It felt altruistic. It felt like I, I really believed it was the right and righteous thing to do. I really did. And it seems that way. And yet what I did is I starved the head. And I didn't realize that till such a long time later. I starved the head. I, it was my vision. I was pushing this thing. I starved us. And we ended up, and that's what brought me to it. You saying that, and, and we, we, you can't help anybody then. 
we were dried so, up. Good. You're right. Two things I'm thinking about as, as you're saying this. One is people will wait until they have enough time, education, experience, money. Wait till they get all that stuff. And then they end up trying it, which could be years, which essentially means you're not helping the people who need help right now. And if you're waiting till retirement to do it, so to speak, this might be 20, 40 years from now. And that's several generations of people that are affected. And at the same time, you say, well, how do I feed my family mm-hmm. and take care of other people at the same time? That's a, that's a better question. Mm-hmm. With that, that's a, this is the principle for whoever's listening to this and trying to, I don't know, create something great, but also take care of your family. Ask a better question, get a better answer. Mm-hmm. If ask, how can I take care of my family and help them? Your mind is smart enough to solve that puzzle. And you will. But if you go into the into it with the mindset that I have to sacrifice my family and my life for you to be successful, guess what you're going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the specifics are in the details. It depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. But if you go into it knowing exactly the ideal situation and work towards that, you're more likely to get it. Okay. What you just laid out there, I spent a good three-fourths of my career doing making sure I took care of everything, feeling selfish to take care of myself. I have now been delivered from that, but it took way too long and with way you know, far more damage. Uh, that is absolutely a regret. Well, here, I'm going to, I'm going to end us on, on a fun one here. Scott Stover, he says, my current business is called string buckle. Uh, after creating it, my coworkers told me that it was just not something people would buy that they would even buy. I should have someone like Nike put uh, put it in their clo- use it for their clothing. We all know that's not how things work. After going at it for a while, I made sales and on I'm on the top of results in Amazon for drawstring replacement kits uh, and look, and looking to expand. Yeah, I guess I'm just okay with doing something others think is stupid. There I you. love it. No, I like this person. Tell him he's cool. High fives. <laughs> I was going to say he should look you up, man. You're the product guy too. Is one of your gigs oh, the string? I didn't even go look at. It. I'm gonna have to go check out the string buckle. The the, the simplest answer is it just starts with one, one person, one idea, one thought, one concept. Yeah. You do it, and then you do it again, and one turns to two, two turns to four, like a lily pad pond. I learned this from a mentor of mine. It's like I think lily pads double. So all of a sudden, you don't know that this pond is being filled up until it's 50%. Then all of a sudden it tips and all of a sudden it's full. And that's the way it is. We don't know the ideas and the little things we're doing are actually building up to something bigger until they do. So just remember, start with one and see how it goes and then go from there. <laughs> well, there, man, again, this is a third show in three weeks with you, Richie. It's a- I, you, I'm very grateful. And I got to hang out with your family there in San Diego and all these great things are happening. <laughs> well, we're going to trust it as, as, as divine uh, orchestration here. And folks, a yeah, third time in three weeks. And if you haven't checked out Richie's book, The Power of Starting Something Stupid, here is your third call to go check it out, go study it, go uh, read the testimonials of nothing. Again, the, just the, the people who Richie have wor- has worked with, the, the, the things that he's done himself. And I hope you hear his counsel in this. I, I think, honestly, I mean, the, the first show we did together was awesome. Loved hearing your habits here. But some of the counsel you gave today for me is is maybe the richest fruit you've given. So I'm just grateful. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, thank you for taking the time and just blessing us with your heart here, Richie. Truly. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, friends, I trust you're feeling inspired to move forward on something you thought might be stupid. I know I am and really proud of it. 
I love this topic. It's so grateful again for your comments. Thank you so much. And just a gift to have Richie Norton's counsel. Again, you can connect with Richie at Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E Norton, N-O-R-T-O-N.com. If you got value from the show, you know, such a gift to give us a review for the Ziggler show in iTunes. Coming up next in show 669 is our habits show. And we're with Michael Hyatt. So look, constraints, not a word that I really am fond of, but Michael showed me, gave me a compelling reason to desire that word. He is the course, best-selling author and business leader. He was our guest in show 667, where we talked through his message and the title of his book, free to focus, achieve more by doing less. Michael's the first repeat guest, uh, to do the habits show with me. So he'd already done it in show 517. If you want to scroll through and check that out. So in this habits show, I asked him for two things. One, are there any updates to his own healthy habits? Anything new, uh, which he did talk about his keto diet and intermittent fasting and some new hobbies like playing the native American flute and taking up photography. Uh, but goodness, did he give some significant counsel in each of the seven spokes on the Ziegler wheel of life? Really great guidance. I, I posed this to him. I said, Michael, if you were on stage giving sage advice on the most beneficial habits for each spoke, what would they be? So he also gave this to us. Uh, and that's where you saw in the title of the show, or uh, you'll see it, the topic of constraints and their benefit. That one obviously stuck out to me. Think of, you know, structure, boundaries, even guidelines. It's just what I've gotten the most benefit from since doing the show with him. And I believe you will too. So till then folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.